Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and we're here to talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the doghouse, this late Monday edition. It probably should be later because, quite frankly, I ought to be listening to uh, Coach Chris Lamonis' call-in show tonight just in case he says anything about injuries. And injuries are much on Mississippi State's mind, as are a heck of a lot of hurt feelings and uh, damaged postseason chances at this point. But, you know, Mississippi State being rather tight about injuries. And let's, let's discuss that a little bit, why Lamonis is so tight about talking about injuries. That's common in baseball for a couple of obvious reasons, especially when guys who are hurt, or at least we believe be hurt, are draft eligible. You don't want to hurt their stock any more than you have to um, by the fact that, you know, scouts will learn eventually what's going on with them, but you don't want to kind of blow the cover too soon. So that's one reason. And just to keep the other teams guessing a little bit, especially when it comes to pitchers. That said, What's on Bulldog minds right now after dropping two of three at Auburn? Oh, my gosh. Listening to it, I was not there. Our partner Steve Robertson was covering in person, and uh, his frustration is even greater than mine at this point. But it was pretty darn frustrating for all of us who were listening from a longer, as it turned out, safer distance when you lose on Friday night a two-to-one game where you just strike out everywhere. And then on, and of course, there's also a, a dubious fielding play. One of those, after a fabulous play, trying to make too much out of it, a freshman just commits a mistake, which puts the winning run, or if you look at it from the Bulldog standpoint, the losing run on third base just happens. Maybe that kind of epitomizes what's going on with a team that's clearly in a youth movement at this point, but we'll get more to that in a moment. Of course, State has a huge lead on Saturday and clings, barely clings to a win and by one run. In the course of it, having to use up a reliever who tried to come back the next day, and, well, you know the rest there. State's bullpen did not hold on, and Auburn is able to take the series with a walk-off extra base hit in the ninth inning. And so Mississippi State sits here 6-12 and SEC when they absolutely minimum should have been 7-11, and and quite possibly with two, just two more strikes or two more hits comes out of a sweep. Yes, Auburn can say the same thing. And Auburn was challenged with their pitching staff this weekend. They're still a little shorthanded, but that makes it all the worse for Mississippi State to come away without the win. But that's what the Bulldogs did, and now they've dug themselves back into an SEC hole, which we thought after consecutive one weekends at Alabama and at home over Ole Miss, that they were gaining some momentum and about to put themselves in solid position, at least as far as the SEC tournament. And, of course, the RPI was in excellent shape last week. Uh, we'll talk more about RPI and SC standings in just a moment, but for right now, let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Why do I bring up basketball? Well, it's playoff time, at least for y'all who pay attention to the bouncy sport. Uh, not myself, it's not to my taste, but hey, you who love it, you love it. So go to Bet Online and get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your wagering needs. That's not just basketball, by the way, but Major League Baseball, already underway, of course, NHL hockey, and rights to UFC and boxing. 
It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Call to action. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, where did the game start and end for the Bulldogs at Auburn? It started with a low offense Friday night, and then you can't say the offense didn't do their part on Saturday and Sundays. Actually, you can in a sense because, sadly, it's gotten to the point where, think about it, most games, if you've got six, seven, or more runs by the middle innings, you feel darn good that you're going to keep piling it on or you've got enough margin to withstand it. No. It's hard to ask for more than that, but that's exactly what the Bulldogs needed because – I'm going to say something, you know, purely speculation, but I've been around college baseball a long time. And you wonder if Auburn falling behind big just loosened them up. They had nothing to lose. They went out there, swung at the stuff that was in the zone, made contact, got the base hits, got the extra base hits, got home runs. And once that cascade started coming, you could see the bullpen, Bulldog bullpen start collapsing in confidence, Auburn gaining confidence. And it just steamrolled from there, and the result being a series that Mississippi State desperately, desperately needed to win and really needed to sweep. As it is, instead of being somewhere in ninth or tenth place in the SEC today, which would be decent, not great, but decent, they're twelfth. They're clinging to the last place berth in Hoover at this point. Now, yes, there are four weekends left, a lot can happen, but when you're in 12th place and you have the 12 games remaining and so much can go wrong because now with the pitching even more in question than already, not just the relief pitching but the starting pitching because we don't know what the status of Landon Gartman is for this weekend. And really the multiplying fact is State's about to play a murderer's row. It starts this weekend at Tennessee, which a week ago you thought, oh, State's got a chance to go up there at least steal one and may still But boy, did the Vols look good smashing Vanderbilt on the home field. And it's a cozy little park, which is a home run heaven. Do I need to say more about the matchup with Bulldog pitching, especially relief pitching at this point regarding home runs? No, I don't. You follow that up with hosting Arkansas, which got stung really badly at Georgia. And now, still, the Hogs are coming in hot, just under the collar instead of hot on the record. And they will really want to take it out on the Bulldogs when they get the chance in another week. Then you go to LSU, which is leading the Western Division. Right now, they're second overall in the standings just because of that SEC still has the divisional winners uh, exemptions where the first two teams, one from each division, get the automatic one and two spots. That goes away by the way in 2025. But right now they're tops with 12 and 5 in the SEC West and would be third overall if you went straight by records because Vanderbilt's up 13 and 5. Remember, LSU had that game rained out at South Carolina. Had they won that, well, Tigers might be the number one team still. Anyway, and uh, of course, after that, State finishes up with the Texas AM team, which is 9 and 9. So. Just the records of who State has to play and who beat who, you look at it and think, A, that was a terrifically wasted chance at Auburn to create a little bit of margin going down this stretch, and B, well, you know what B is. Everything is uphill the rest of the way, 
And what do you do? Well, you only can play what you've got, or rather, I say pitch what you've got. I mean, there was. Let's get to the positive from the weekend. Yes, there was some. Rangelis um, Anja, he's his last two starts now. He's got 13 strikeouts and four walks. Yes, he got shelled a little bit late in the stint to Auburn, but that's because State had to maximize him there. And Auburn just cut it loose and let it rip uh, with a home run off the foul pole that probably changed the atmosphere more than any single hit all weekend. But still, he's proven a really good option on the Game 3 situation. Do you move him up? I don't think so. I think you keep him on this Sunday cycle now because he's found a comfort level with it. And frankly, he gets to watch the other orders for two nights before he has a chance to go out there and pitch himself and just to keep both the right and left arms free there for it. And Colby Holcomb, now, yes, he's going to walk a lot of guys. But he's going to strike out a lot of guys. He may walk the order. He may sit down the side. You never know what you're going to get with Colby Holcomb as far as results. But what you absolutely get from him is effort. There is nothing half-hearted about how he gets on the mound and throws the ball. He is going after it. He's aggressive. That hurts him at times. That helps him at times. Do I think he's a starter? I'd rather him not be starting the season, but out of necessity right now, he has to. Now, next year, he's going to be definitely in the rotation there, uh, maybe getting early chance. But you want Gartman to come back because now Cade Smith, who pitched well on Friday, is settled into that game one role. So now you have some options in your rotation, which a couple of weeks ago, that was a big question. What are you going to do with the rotation? Now, all of a sudden, the trouble has shifted to the bullpen. Well, I take that back. Gartman, if you get him back, you've got your options. For right now, you probably have to ride this cycle of Smith, Holcomb, and Senya, which is not a bad way to approach a weekend. You certainly would rather have Gartman back because he's one of your older, experienced guys, but we, uh, he's another fellow we don't know the exact status of. I'm recording this about an hour before the call-in show, so maybe we learn something after I record this. Maybe not, but... Anyway, that was a positive to me. Negatives, way too many of them, just way too many. Most on the bullpen, of course. Is Okay, here's some things we definitely know. Casey Hunt is a one-game stint guy. He can give you a good outing for one game. You can't bring him back the next night. Aaron Nixon, you don't need to throw him on consecutive days either. And unfortunately, he had to be used a little more than was planned simply because of how things played out. And that's another one of those cases where if you get one fielding play and don't have to use your relievers that much, you're fresher for the next day, and Gore State was operating on fumes. Now, to be fair, so was Auburn. Auburn was down a bunch of pitchers as well. But Mississippi State made a really shaky Tiger staff look really good and let them get away with it, especially on Sunday whereas everything just about went wrong for the Bulldog bullpen, even in the win. So what are the options right now? Well, if Dome is unable to go, and there's talk, and I can't confirm it now because I don't know for myself, is he done for the season? It does not look good per Steve Robertson. It, uh, you, you don't have that kind of situation where all of a sudden you stop in the middle of the game, you've just gotten a strikeout, and then all of a sudden you're holding your elbow. 
Uh, does that sound a little familiar to the early part of the 2022 season where State's uh, ace pitcher all of a sudden is gone because he has to come off the field holding his elbow as well? That's, uh, and by the way, that's not just Mississippi State. LSU, Arkansas, and others, everybody's losing pitchers this year, and that's a topic for another day maybe to discuss what's the state of college pitching health. Here at Mississippi State, though, this is all we care about. The health is definitely taking a turn for the worse. So if Dome is done for the season, that really, really throws a crimp into any bullpen cycle plans because basically Dome had emerged as kind of a co-starter. You could run out your regular starter, try to get him into the middle innings, and then bring Dome in if it's a game that is in contention either way. You're behind close, you're leading close, you can ride with him, and if it's a blowout either direction, just save him for the next game. Well, now that's probably out. So what do you do? Well, Nixon's got to throw more, pick up more of the load, and KC's going to have to carry things more there than he does. But he, like I said, he does not bounce back well, so if you can get one good game out of him, that's max. Now, State will get a couple of pitchers back, uh, and they're already, well, they're already throwing now, but they're not 100% speed. Hopefully, uh, Parker Stinnett is back up to speed soon. And I know that's not ideal. He's not your first option there. But bluntly at this point, you've got to have who's healthy. And there's Scott Foxhall's options in the bullpen and the starting rotation have narrowed down significantly because of these injuries. I know I've seen suggestions. Why not use a Lofton out there? Well, he hasn't thrown since the Alabama series. And... When he is, while he can beat non-conference teams, even against them, he's still a walks machine out there on a club which already issues way, way, way too many walks. And that's just what this staff is. Um, now, let's not uh, blame it all on the pitching staff. The offense didn't exactly cover itself in glory this past weekend, although the highlight of it, and maybe this summarizes why the weekend went so badly, the leading light for Mississippi State on offense at Auburn was David Mershon. The guy just inserted into the starting lineup a week ago, and mainly because they made some changes at shortstop. By the way, Lane Forsythe has not played a game since the Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, the Saturday against Ole Miss. So now you're riding Mershon at shortstop and Slate Alvord at third base. Well, he's got a five-game hitting streak, Mershon does. And for a kid who... You know, not the biggest guy in the world out there, but he's certainly giving it all he's got. Of course, he has speed at the plate as well. He was 6 of 17 against Auburn with four walks on top of that. So maybe that's – well, no maybe about it. That was a good offensive move by Jake Gotro, putting the kid at the top of the order. Uh, By the same token, Amani Larry had been dropped down in the order – uh, because he, he led off for so much the season, then he, now he's batting in the seventh, eighth holes there. But he had two good games at Auburn. They, nobody hit well on Friday nights to rule that out. But in the two shootouts, he – and by the way, Friday he did get on base, but he hit really well in the two shootout games. Everybody else did. I want to be sure about that. Still, do you move him back up? I don't think so at this point because if, if Mershon stays hot in the one hole – I don't think you want to follow him with Larry. Uh, maybe traditionally you would have done that baseball terms. But now, as you know, everything is shifted to a leadoff guy first and then two power guys next. Well, those power guys struggled pretty much at Auburn. Uh, Hunter Hines was 2 of 13, though he did get his 18th home run of the season. 
yesterday and is getting close to a top 10 career territory already in only two years at the Bulldogs. But after that, um, well, Kellum Clark had a good weekend. Um, even though he was 0 for the first night, he was 5 of 9 the next two days with 4 RBI. Those were the offensive positives, but then Slade Alford, who I mentioned, 2 of 11 for the weekend, though he came up big in the Saturday win. Well, who didn't come up big when you score that many runs? Uh, Luke Hancock, 3 of 13, also a good Saturday, which inflated his stats, if you can call 3 of 13 inflated. Dakota Jordan, the hero of the Ole Miss series, he certainly had a drop-off on the road trip, 2 of 12 at Auburn. Uh, Cole Ledbetter, 3 of 12, though he did get a walk each game. And the guy who is really struggling right now is Ross Highfield. I think that was inevitable. You've got a true freshman out there trying to adapt now to the full-time catching position. You notice that State pitch hit for him late in the game on Sunday. Well, he was 2 of 16 for the last six games, and he had an error Friday night. That was the one I mentioned. If you watch the replay of that incredible catch he made of a pop-up bunt, dives up against the wall, snags it, and then turns. Hold the ball. Remember, you're already 20 or more feet behind home plate, and you're trying to throw to second base on a steal attempt. It blew up in State's face. He hit the runner. Uh, The runner's on third base, and it proved to be the winning run for Auburn as well. But that's what kids do when they're trying to make too much happen there. And Highfield's got the talent to make it happen. He just needs the experience to know when to try and when not to. And that could be said of a whole lot of this lineup. But his offensive struggles, yes, he was to be a better hitter this year than catcher. Everyone assumed that, and he would just split duties with Hancock. Now he's emerged as the primary catcher. And that's taking a toll. He's working with a staff, which you really never know who you're going to be catching at any moment out there. And that's a lot to ask of a true freshman. I, sometimes I don't think fans truly appreciate just how much goes into working with a staff for a pitcher, especially or a catcher, I mean, especially a new one like that. Trying to adapt not just to velocities and locations, but attitudes, aptitudes, umpires, and all sorts of things. Getting that flood of information from the bench. Ross Highfield is going to be a really, really good catcher when his skills behind the plate catch up with his skills at the plate. I know that sounds funny to say about a guy's 216, but he can hit. He's down ninth in the order, but that's simply because the wear and tear, mental and physical, of doing what he's doing is showing at this point. And State is committed to him, as far as we can tell. And there seems to be, unless it's a pinch situation, you're not going to put Hancock back behind the plate at this point. Um, not for an SEC weekend, if you can get away with it. I think maybe as we get closer into May, they'll have to once or twice just because it's going to be a lot to ask a kid to throw to catch that many games consecutively, but especially under pressure situations. But otherwise, Highfield is not just the catcher of the future. He's the catcher of the present. So what else is State doing at this point? Well, Bryce Chance was only used once over the weekend and walked. So that kind of says that they're going to ride the lineup they have right now with the emergence of Mershon and the decision that they're going to stick with Alford at third base. Um, Chance has kind of moved back into that situation of he's going to be a pinch guy, a matchup guy. And, of course, that's not a bad thing to have. You need all those options. But it just means that his chances of being in the starting lineup, unless somebody goes into a real slump in the outfield, he's going to settle for watching from the bench and seeing how things go and 
is he going to be needed to pinch hit, pinch run, pinch anything later in the games? So it looks like State and Jake Gotro has picked his order and going to ride with it, uh, you know, the lineup rather, and then tweak it for the order. But that seems to have settled itself down. Is that a good thing? Well, the record doesn't indicate so, but frankly, what else are you going to do at this point? You just need to pick your guys and ride them. But then again, you're still going up against that schedule. I hate to keep harping on the schedule, but it's just glaring you in the face right now. Your face, Of course, you look at it back to State. It turned out the Bulldogs drew an unexpectedly tougher start than anyone expected. South Carolina, goodness, have they so far exceeded all expectations? They've only lost six games all season. And now 13-4 SEC after sweeping Florida. Of course, Vanderbilt 13-5, swept state already. Kentucky 11-7, swept state already. So, we know what's happened. What needs to happen now for Mississippi State to make the SEC tournament? I know, this is not a program that sets Hoover as its goal. And yet, that's the state that Mississippi State has fallen into. After last year not making anything, finishing dead last in the SEC, and now this year flirting with being eliminated again, you've got to set Hoover as the priority. Is it painful? Is it frustrating? Absolutely. Is it the reality? Yes, equally absolutely. Nothing happens if you don't make it to Hoover at all. And even then, you've got to have, to my mind, at least 12 SEC wins, probably more like 13 to have a real shot at the NCAA tournament, well, you can do the math for yourself. State's got 12 games left. Uh, they need to go 7-5 and five the rest of the way to reach that figure. And when you put that up against who they're playing, you never say never in baseball. Weird things happen. I mean, look, Tennessee went to Missouri and got stomped. And now here Missouri is last place in the SEC East. By the way, that's one of the two teams Mississippi State is ahead of, 5-13 and 13 Missouri, but that's just a one-game lead at this point. I know, I know, it's all about percentages, but it's easier to talk about wins-losses than percentage numbers at this point. And, of course, Ole Miss at 3-15, and 15, which has probably doomed them to just no chance at making Hoover. Well, I say no chance. I looked it up, and I've mentioned this a couple of times. Teams have made Hoover with as few as eight wins, but that means there were two teams even worse for the regular season. Last year, the fewest wins to reach Hoover was 12. And two teams had 12 wins, and on tiebreak, Alabama got the edge and was able to be this 11th seed. <sighs> no, the SEC tournament is not Mississippi State's stated goal for a season. But for 2023, it has to suddenly now be the goal. You've got to win seven of the next 12 games. And that doesn't even take rainouts into account, for goodness sake. I mean, wouldn't that be a bitter touch if the Bulldogs did get within another win or just another game of making a tournament and whether wash out, in, if not a Mississippi State game, somebody else's game that all of a sudden boosts the percentages past the Bulldogs. At this point, I would not be surprised at any sort of fate happening to the Bulldogs like that because it's just become that kind of year, whether it's injuries, whether it's trying to force-fit a lineup together week to week, sometimes game to game, trying to figure out who does what consistently, if or at least consistently enough relative to the rest of the team. It's just a tough year. Do I think there's going to be changes after the year? Well, yeah, I'm... 
I will be very, very surprised if there aren't some staff changes made. That's just the nature of it. I'm not calling out any names right now because you know who they are. And frankly, that would make it a little too personal at this point. I don't want to go down that road. But simply the fact that Mississippi State is settling for playing for Hoover and trying to upset their way back in the NCAA tournament, that's not what we do around here, but that's what we're doing right now. How to fix it? Well, recruit better, evaluate better, avoid injuries, and get lucky. Is that an ideal formula? Of course not. But then again, State had some luck go its way and some good recruiting, uh, some even better than expected. And that 2021 National Championship team, remember, they had just lost two first-round draft picks uh, to the pros in 2020, and you're thinking it's going to be a total rebuild year. In fact, I will always recall talking to Chris Lamonis at Omaha in 2019, the day of the last game of the season. State was getting ready to play what was Louisville. Louisville. And back then, media were allowed to be on the field in pregame. I'm leaning against the dugout fence, and uh, he's on the other side of the dugout fence, and we're just chatting about where things are. And kind of to not talk about the upcoming game, I just mentioned the future. And he made the comment, and this is in 2019, remember, that he wasn't so much worried about 2020, because obviously with Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue and JT Ginn and others at the time, he thought it'd be a good team. He thought 2021 would be the transition year. Well, guess what? 2021 turned out to be the championship season, so so much for things going as planned. But I will guarantee he didn't plan on 2022 being the collapse that it was, and he certainly didn't count on 2023, a second straight season of struggling to throw strikes when it matters, to get hits when it matters, and just to put winning series together. Am I blaming this on coaching? Well, ultimately, everything does go back to coaching. That's just the nature of the beast. And he's had some bad injury luck. I mean, remember last year you lose your ace pitcher, you lose your catcher. You're you're just losing so much from the previous team as far as leadership. Did he rely on a roster of guys brought back who probably, in retrospect, shouldn't have? Well, yeah, but that's that was known middle of last season. You thought this season would be improvement just because you plug in so many freshmen. And, and I know, I'm the one, I've defended the freshmen for having to earn their way in, but bluntly, college baseball is such that freshmen play. Freshmen win. A freshman also lose your games, don't get me wrong. But talented freshmen play and win in this league, especially when they're backed up with enough seniors. State's got the seniors, and now State's got the young talent. I've said it for weeks, and I will probably keep saying it for the next four weeks. State has more than enough individual talent on this team to be a solid mid-pack team in the SEC. Again, not the ideal goal, but in this situation, that would be a really good aim for them to be 9-9, and 10-8 SEC at this point, and they could be. In fact, maybe they should be, but they're not. What is going wrong? Well, I'm not as close to the teams as I used to be, and that's the nature of modern media. You don't get to hang out with the guys on the field in pregame as much. You're certainly not in the dugout during games like once upon a time. And, boy, were those some great days. And uh, I was going over a lot of them, stories from those days back last weekend at the Ron Polk dedication with some guys from the late 80s and 90s teams that uh, I really got to know very well, probably a little too well. Now, that's off the table now. But still, 
you get a judge watching them play and getting the feedback and other things. And what this team so desperately needs also, and this is intangible, is leadership. And there just isn't a natural leader out there at this point, certainly not among the upperclassmen. And you can't force it. Don't, let's be clear on that. Leadership cannot be forced because other players would smell it in a moment and know that it was being forced. It's got to be natural and it's got to be accepted by everyone, and that's just not the personality of this team. Will it be in the future? If State holds on to these freshmen and sophomores, uh, there's some guys in there that can be take-charge sort of guys, whether it's on the mound, in the order, in the locker room where it counts. But they've got to, I think, and this is to my mind only, so don't think I'm speaking for anyone else other than myself. State needs to finish this season at least making one postseason tournament. You make it to Hoover, you know, establish the fact that you, you were not dead last in the conference. Your season did not end with the regular schedule, first step. Second, just have some success, some real success as in hitting. Get some guys going on the pitching staff, especially players who are coming back. That's always a guessing game there. But they need something good to happen down this stretch to build some positive momentum and mental ideas going into the 2024 season. Well, for that matter, into 2023 fall ball as well as winter because things change so fast these days, especially with the transfer portal and NIL. you got to create a more positive attitude around the clubhouse. And for that matter, among the fans around the – and state fans have been great. They're still turning out. It's been amusing to watch uh, fans of a certain other sport try to bash baseball for supporting when they're struggling like this. Some people just don't get it that Bulldog baseball is just plain different. It's what we do here, win, lose, or draw. And State keeps drawing, definitely keeps drawing. But at some point, you got to have the winning to back it up and keep the attitude going, especially if you're going to keep guys because State's not great equipped to play the NIL game. That's true in any sport, but baseball is going to be an issue. And not for the same reason, say, football, where it's going to be wholesale or basketball, where it's easy to target one or two players. Baseball being the different cat, there'll be a limited number of programs out there that try to pick your players off, but still, when they do, it's backed up by people who have the pockets to do it with. Now, Here's where the SEC has ruled about get it done by February 1 in all sports, else you have to sit out the whole year, comes into play. But as Lamonis and staff, and for that matter, any spring sport coach know, I might as well include Zach Arnett in football too because he's been talking about this portal window for football, which closes on April 30th. There's still things that can happen at this point. State had a uh, cornerback declare for the portal just today, Davian Collins. And, of course, remember State brought in so many JUCO, I'm sorry, transfer uh, from the portal of defensive backs, both corners and safeties, that there were some freshmen who just saw the writing on the wall that they weren't going to play this coming year and next year, and everybody feels their clock ticking so fast. And as long as that portal's there, they're more likely to use it quickly instead of biding their time and working on it. And who can blame them? I'm not saying they're bad for doing it. That's just the reality of it. Baseball, because of its more curious calendar, not least the presence of the major league draft and signings, it's just such a different beast in there, and it's just it's going to be such a tough NIL game to play in so many ways. Because how do you invest in somebody, uh, especially in summer, 
and then find out two weeks later that, oh, well, he got enough of a draft offer. He's gone. You still have those to, that money to go after other guys with and make offers to current players you have, which, by the way, is going to be the primary goal of NIL at Mississippi State in many places, retention more than recruiting. Actually, we could say that retention is recruiting this day because you know there's some talented freshmen on this team that a few certain rivals out there would love to pick off with a huge NIL offer. State's got to do their job to hold them in those regards. Loyalty helps. Someone being Mississippi kids helps. But money talks. And am I verging way too much in the NIL? Yeah, I am. It's uh, My feelings on the subject are clear, but I also recognize it's the reality. It's not going to change anytime soon. And when it does change, it'll probably change for the worse once the NCAA is totally powerless and schools are able to do their own NIL work instead of just collectives. Then you're going to see it really get rough with uh, a kind of a two-tier system developing itself, teams that can compete and teams that can't just because the competing teams can afford to buy the best roster out there. You can argue that's always been true. Well, now it's out in the open and it's only been magnified. Okay, enough on the NIL. What about the Diamond Dogs? They've got to avoid a sweep at Tennessee. You hate to put things in that term, but steal one up there. Take advantage of an Arkansas team that's all of a sudden a little bit iffy, even though they're going to come in here wanting to have their way with the Bulldogs, as they've done way too often in recent seasons. They'll be confident based on record uh, in recent years, but will they be confident with this year's team? That's another question entirely. And then go down to LSU. Again, Try you're trying not to get swept. And you're putting yourself in reach when A&M comes to town and the Aggies have been so up and down, they're utterly unpredictable. You have a shot at Hoover. I repeat again, that should never be the primary goal most years. This year, it is the goal. By the way, State's RPI, they were in great shape last week at 24. Now, as of today, they're 37. It's kind of odd. State dropped three spots without even playing a game last week. The Southern University game was not canceled for RPI reasons, even though it probably would have helped State in that regard. And looking ahead, State has a game with North Alabama, last non-conference regular season game. They're abysmal in RPI. But ideas that State should cancel that game right now, as I wrote in the story today, I hedge that simply because you may need the win. You may need that win to be over 500 at that point if the next couple of SEC series just go sour. No, it is not a happy Monday. This is not an overreaction Monday. This is just a plain, honest, straightforward reaction. But that's where Bulldog baseball is. So we await word on the health of Nate Dome. Uh, Landon Gartman, and what's happening with other players on there. And State on the road again. Of course, they're in Pearl on Tuesday night. I know quite a few fans will be showing up, as always, for the Governor's Cup game because you've got two teams that really, really need the win. It doesn't matter in SEC standings. It still matters in the W column because both teams desperately need it at this point, maybe more so Ole Miss than even Mississippi State. Who do they throw? Uh, State well, hasn't made that announcement yet. I'm sure in about an hour from now um, that Coach Lamonis will be announcing it. And then go to Tennessee. Well, we'll be following because it's what we do. We don't give up on them, and we watch them, and we follow them because that's our team. That's Diamond Dog Baseball, and that's who we are. 
And here we are in the doghouse. We appreciate you checking in on this edition. And remember, we're brought to you by BetOnline, where the game starts. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLEAV to get your 50% discount on your first wager. And I bet that you'll be tuning in next week on the doghouse. I certainly hope you will. And this has been your host, David Murray. Thanks for checking us out. And let's hope we have better news to talk about on our next Overreaction Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.